welcome to the very first episode of the Devil's Cardigan Podcast, brought to you by Little Rivers Brewery, Royal Cycles, Shimano Australia and the Dorset Hotel Derby. In our first episode, Peter and Gareth sit down with Justin Mad Dog Morris. Justin is a former professional bike racer and the first athlete with type 1 diabetes to compete in the UCI professional racing circuit. He is a member of the Marathon MTB team, has found himself on the podium of the Crocodile Trophy, the Pioneer in New Zealand, and the Mongolian Bike Challenge, just to name a few. He has a degree in psychology and education, is an accredited Cycling Australia coach, and has channeled his experience often on the bike into Mind Matters athlete coaching. This has long been a dream for Mad Dog, as a morphing of his academic and sporting experience to offer a more holistic approach to athlete and personal development. Justin raced the first edition of the Cardigan before moving to America, and it made perfect sense to ask him to create the perfect 10-week training plan for our little midwinter race. This was a great conversation with Justin, all about training, everything gravel, and it just took off the second we sat down together. So we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Well, with it. the Devil's Cardigan, mm-hmm. uh, definitely in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So seeing what's happened in the USA with some of these yeah. events. Yeah, yeah. You would have seen, I guess, the growth of gravel. Well, like first yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's huge, and in some of the races I do there, yeah. they're boring yeah. compared to the Devil's Cardigan route. Yeah. And four, five thousand people are there yeah, wow. to do the route. Yeah. And yeah. it's just the novelty of the sport, and yep. people just like to be part of an event. Yeah. But when you can market something like you've got here. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, like yeah. I said to you before, Gareth, like this, the, that course itself has so much traction. I mean, I know there's plenty of people I coach coming down this year. Like yeah, from nice. the mainland yeah, and yeah, yeah, no, gravels the, awesome. um, the buzz. Yeah, the it buzz, is the buzz at the moment, yeah. isn't it? But um, for good reason, Mike. And we really should be recording this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you recording this, Gareth? Fantastic. Because yeah. I mean, gravel. Really, uh, I don't want to sort of, like say people sort of wax lyrical on gravel and all this stuff. But yeah. really, it's it's got such a low barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and provided you just, you can sort of build your fitness a little, um, that's all you need to do. Yeah. really like i mean certainly sk- technical skills help but it's not like mountain biking no, where yeah, yeah. where you've got these scary, scary features yeah. you need a certain level to sort of get over that rock or the route and whatever um and certainly with the absence of of vehicular traffic and so yeah, yeah. the, the, the stress of having to deal yeah. with that it makes it very very appealing so so you've got all the positive things of cycling number one the initial purpose of cycling was to get from a to b yeah, like yeah. moving through space you're yeah. doing that yeah. and you haven't got the the stress of a big bunch in yeah. road cycling the big fast bunch yeah and all sort of the, the nuances and rules that come with those big bunches yeah, that, yeah. That take time to learn and, yeah. and sort of feel comfortable with and that's a good thing with the cardigan because you start at the base of a climb so of course a big bunch from the start line but by yeah. 200 meters it's you know yeah, yeah it's all pretty hard yeah. you know, like i think about first year nathan was uh earl yeah uh, that's saying, right yeah 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 he was looking at his power media but i think this is ridiculous like someone's gonna have to pop so yeah well i guess this year we're going to change the course um a little oh, bit just yeah. a little bit yeah yeah we'd like to push it out over 100k because yeah. uh, i think just psychologically the old course was 94k and i think there's something 
it's only a number, yeah. but there's significance in numbers to yeah, people's yeah. way of thinking. And I think just pushing it over the 100K gives it just a little bit more significance in people's minds. A bit more satisfaction um, for the drive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you, yeah. you know, roll up on Monday and you're looking a bit ginger and sore yeah. around the office, you're like, what's your other way? Yeah, I rode 100K. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you gone, you know, you've rolled up to the front door at home after a weekend long ride and you see like 90... 8.7 and you yeah. just keep going around the block a few more times yeah, just to tick yeah, over yeah. that, that well, magic day, three you, figure. You just pulled up the front wheel and spun the wheels so over a little, little magnet uh, 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 the speed up a few more times. I, I, I must admit that I think on a big ride, I'd had 2,998 metres of climbing Yeah. and um, I stood there and threw my Garmin up in the air yeah. for a while trying <laughs> yeah. to get the extra couple yeah, of yeah. metres. <laughs> we promise we haven't done that for the cardigan as well. Like, <laughs> no, we haven't. The amount of elevation. Yeah, you're chucking them up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll push it out a little bit longer. So I think um, at the moment it stands at about 100, 106 kilometres and we've, it adds another 350 metres of elevation. So it's yeah. not massive, but it's, it's a little bit extra. Um, we're going to start it out at Derby still. Uh, instead of heading up Cascade Dam Road, we're going to head up the bitumen and then turn right down the Mitchell Road. Yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah. know if you ever rode the Blue Dragon back in the day, but they used to use that Mutual Road as yeah, part okay, of yeah. the route. Um, anyway, turn down Mutual Road and then you, you sort of go down through descending the Mutual Valley. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and then... There's a, there's a fairly solid climb up the back. I think it's about 8K um, with only an average gradient of about five or five and a half, but there's a lot of sort of flat bits in it and yeah. a couple of little descents in it. So the climbing bits are quite steep yeah. and there's a couple of spots there where they're like, you know, 16, 70 percenters yeah. and like towards the end. And so they, they really kick you. But it is a nice one too because you, you do get those respites within the climb. So you sort of, you're going to punch up on like an eight or nine yeah, percent for a while and then you get a little little descent or a little flat bit where you can, you know, change your position and, and yeah, rest back and like, then go again. Yeah. Um, and that brings you out at the top of um, Mount Paris Dam Road, just above Welba. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you go along Mount Paris Dam Road and approach Dead Horse Hill, yeah. um, which then rejoins the old road, but you approach from the other direction. The other direction, yeah. Um, but I think it'd be nice in that I think that it gives, and this is my hope, and I'm not sure if it'll play out this way, but I think it'll mean that the old course, after you got to Black Stump on Cascade Dam Road, that rough descent That'd there... That rough bit, yeah. It, so it, it turned people, it, yeah. It, and it was very... It was a real crux point. Yeah. It seemed like that that's where... The mountain Yeah, and that's where the gaps really formed yeah. and never really got pulled back. Yeah. Um, because after it, it's not easy to chase through the next bit. Like, you can't really gain yeah, a lot yeah. of time. You can't work together through the next bit. So there. it was a selection from equipment and skill rather than a selection from fitness. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and those guys, that, I mean, I think on the old course, the, the comment was is that from, from most of the guys at the pointy end that whoever had the best legs on the day it didn't really matter whether they were on like a, a very capable yeah. mountain bike or a very capable gravel bike it was just whoever had the best legs yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I think that the course we've adjusted to this year it definitely swings it towards a gravel bike Yeah. not to say that somebody with exceptional legs on a fast mountain bike yeah yeah so we'll change the flavor at the start um but then once you hit, hit dead horse hill it's the same it's back to um it's back to what it was and um which is still pretty cool so awesome. yeah. yeah 
up the Ralph Falls, is it? Yeah, up the Ralph Falls, yeah. and um, how'd you enjoy that climb? Yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, and that happened yeah. in that first year was like sleeting at the top, and it was no, I remember, yeah, that was it wasn't that much was, better yeah. the second year. Got to be honest, that's a legit climb. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 the yeah, American guy. Yeah, yeah. So Payson, I don't know if you you saw. Well, when it. I was over there in America, yeah. all the all of the guys that coach in America, they yeah. know that I live in Tasmania. Like, oh yeah. Oh, have you seen Payson? Wow, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah, yeah. That it was, was, it was awesome. So, yeah. so Gareth and I supported Payson um, on that on that yeah. thing. So we we drove um, Joey and and um, Thomas. And Thrown yeah. and Nicole um, and, and Zach. And Zach. Can't forget Zach. Um, my mate, he, taught me, he taught me how to beluga a beer can. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and and we drove those guys um, like as, as supporting the film crew. We yeah. weren't supporting Payton because he was unsupported. Yeah, yeah. But we were supporting the film crew that were filming. Yeah. I guess Payton's effort yeah. um and so obviously we're involved in the whole thing it was like that it was awesome, awesome. And is he so, a good guy the pacing oh it's like a horrible a great guy horrible yeah. guy yeah. Like, <laughs> it blew my mind was I, I i chased him a little bit going up the old blue tier descent yeah. and at that point he was like 29 hours in like non-stop and he the freshness in his like he had that pep still. There was no, yeah. like he there was. I just couldn't believe the fatigue. It's like he'd started from Derby, he'd just done the river track and up front yeah, road. Like right. he just yeah, was so ridiculously fresh. Yeah. So it's like, like you are an like you're an absolute machine, yeah. and yet like just the nicest fella. Yeah, you know, no, like the really nicest nice. bloke. So considerate and thoughtful and articulate and just just had this great energy to him like yeah. there was never like no intensity or this or that like just yeah just yeah it was an incredible experience and yeah really really still just i'm still just makes me a little bit speechless really like it was yeah. just such an just an incredible sleepless 48 hours well, i know i got some awesome marketing for tassie back uh back oh, over fantastic. In yeah people were frothing on it yeah the small village awesome. I live in, and people are frothing about uh, Payson riding in Tasmania. I think um, what sums up Payson and who he is as a person for me was that we met him at one of the supermarkets. Which um, where was that that we met at the supermarket? Deloraine. 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 Yeah. So that was his first major stop. Got to Deloraine. Um, it was a bit of a buckle there. Anyway, he went into the shop and he's not thinking properly and he just bought so much stuff because he's just yeah. like, he's hungry and he's buying with his stomach, not his brain. Yeah. And he comes out, he's trying to shovel it all his bags. He's trying to drink orange juice at the same time. And he, he's like spilt half his orange juice all over his pack and his stuff. <laughs> and, yeah. and, if that was me, mate, I would have like pit the oranges across a parking yeah, lot, yeah, like, yeah. you know, swearing and, and Payson just like, he just stops. He's just silent. And he like looks at it, He's like, Oh, golly gosh. And then puts it carefully down and just like cleans it off and just keeps doing his thing. They're like, wow, he's just yeah, so yeah. calm and collected. Like, wow, that's a, a level of control. Proper right champion. There. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what a bloke. Hmm. How um, this is what I've really enjoyed about you being over in the states, riding your gravel bike surrounded by snow. It's just been awesome because it really helps me to on say on the socials remind people that it could be worse. It could be colder. Exactly. Like, yeah. Warm. Yeah, like, is it is it that much colder like the, as it looks visually, or if you once you all, all the gear, it really doesn't really matter. Well, it gets to a point you can have as much gear, but as you want, and it does protect you. But there gets to a point where there's always going to be a bit of your 
body that's exposed, whether it's just your nose or, you know, your eyes and you know, people wear ski goggles and stuff, but you can really only ride for an hour. Well, I can, it's actually a 100 mile marathon on fat bikes that they do in Michigan. That's, I mean, it takes 12, 14 hours riding through snow, minus 20. So yes, it can always be worse than what, you know, Aussies whinge about coming to Tasmania in June. Uh, there's people that are riding in far worse. And me having done a little bit of it, I've done the fat bike races in the snow over there, nothing like 100 miles in, in, in those conditions, but yeah, it's not nice. You feel like, cause you're moving when you're cycling, it's like you're just moving into someone's stabbing you with a sharp fork in the face the pain in your skin is just <laughs> miserable so yeah riding around derby you know might be under 10 degrees celsius but above freezing then yeah you'll be right but yeah, anyway, yeah yeah it, when you're training for those conditions like do you need to compensate for that like do you, like more training more miles to condition your body to to burn more burn more cap just to get your, your guts, yeah, keeping yourself one warm, keeping yourself yeah, going. Yeah. Like, how much could you? Would there be like a ratio of how much more training to prepare for events in extreme sort of weather compared to like your average, you know, mid-teens, yeah. low twenties sort of cruisy weather? Extreme conditions. The main challenge is the how much harder your body has to work just to exist in those temperatures. Yeah. So then you're adding in doing intense exercise your body's number one has got to work hard to bring the to stabilize the core temperature where it needs to be and when it's minus 15 celsius outside your body's already working hard to to stay alive and then you're moving through space and then you're pushing through pushing on pedals you know dumping out what's for trying to work hard so you just burn through a lot more calories than you would in a normal uh normal temperatures in a normal race in australia so subsequently a lot of the races are a lot shorter you know fat bike and snow races are a lot shorter but yeah you, you've got to be cognizant of that so subsequently nutrition is more important in extreme weather races and heat it's kind of yes yeah, similar from the races i've done in hot weather like the simpson desert race then hydration is number one importance and in cold weather hydration is also very important because you're wearing a lot of stuff and often you get actually quite warm because you've got so much wind protective stuff on so you can dehydrate but because you're so cold you don't notice the dehydration like you would yeah. if you were riding in, in yeah. hot temperatures so yeah staying staying nutrition and hydration is kind of the key things that are more important i mean they're always important don't get me wrong but more important when you're when you're racing or training in extreme kind of temperatures. And so that was, that just makes it even more important throughout your training period leading up to the, a big day, like training your guts to consume the amount that you're probably going to need on race day as well in those conditions as things get cold. Like you, it's just not... Yeah, it, huge. It, and gut training, something's become more in fashion. There's done more research on it, so it's actually proven to be a lot more effective uh, than what we used to think. And we used to go training 30 hours a week, do six-hour rides on fucking one muesli bar and some have some mineral water when you're done you know for those days are done you realize how much uh how much power you can generate how much more energy you can have if you fuel yourself properly so now the talk is you know 60 to 90 grams of carbs per hour just to sustain a solid race pace so and it's it's a lot of a lot of food so yeah it's a good part of a training regime and that's what i work with a lot of athletes yeah. on is leading up to a big event is training not just the body not just the gut, 
well and well not just the body not just the mind but also the gut like yeah. everything needs to be in um in good shape if you want to get the most out of yourself yeah absolutely or even yeah survive get to the finish line yeah yeah without yeah, feeling like you'd be yeah like without great. you know bonking you know hitting absolutely. the wall you, you can avoid that these days and actually there's there's technology now where you can measure the amount of sugar in your blood which is technology designed for people like me who have type 1 diabetes you can access that technology now as someone who doesn't have diabetes and get a bit of a heads up as to where you're going to vote. I mean, it's prohibitively expensive and probably I don't think it's even available in Australia. But anyway, that technology is just kind of on its way. So that's yeah. incredible. Like that, like, yeah, to drip fit, like just to keep yourself in that sweet spot and yeah. have that data on, on a massive race like that. That's, that's yeah, it's big. A lot of um, Ironman triathletes and stuff are getting onto that type of technology. Like, I'm not a big technology fan. I mean, like, you know, I'm more of a purist, I like the ride for the for soul, so to speak. But yeah, yeah all these different uh, data points that you can now access really, if you're, if you've got the right personality for it, can be really huge for your training. Yeah. Can you, is that something that like, like is that, is that balanced between, can you go to, like, too down into the reads with the data and overload yourself with all just, just too many points, I suppose, with your training, like, yeah. Uh, do you think that like, there's, there's a sweet spot there? One hundred percent. Yeah. Balance between like a love of riding and yeah. also, but making sure that you yeah, got that balance. And I've seen both ends of the spectrum. You can be so laissez-faire, like I probably put myself in this basket when I was an athlete. Be so laissez-faire and just be like, hey, I love riding. I'm just going to ride hard and and hope for the best. Uh, but you know, the, especially these days, there's so much people that are taking it training just as seriously as racing. So they're kind of getting, getting making progress with all this data and it's then enabling much more performance out of themselves but then if you're you know you got into riding because you love riding you got a smile on your face when you ride you're more driven by that feeling of freedom that you know the passion that you have for the sport if you then get sucked into like all right, you need a power meter. You got to stay in these zones. All right, what's your heart rate? What's your uh, fatigue score? What's your what's your sleep readiness score? You know what what's your uh, what's your blood sugar level? If you what's your lactate level? If you're measuring so many data points, then you can kind of get pulled away from the initial purpose of riding. Which for most people, I would say most people that aren't trying to be pro tour athletes, you know, they they ride because it's an escape from. You know the stress of life and it's uh it's it's something they're passionate about it brings a smile to their face and it's it's an enjoyable part of their lives so then if you're incorporating all this data into it then all of a sudden it's like well shit my, my bike riding is becoming work and becoming stressful because i'm not hitting this zone i haven't hit the the ctl or the tss number that i need for this for, for this session and it can suck people down to a point where they're no longer seeing cycling as something that's enjoyable and fun for their lives, but it's another source of stress, which you know most people have stressful lives to enough from their work, family, you know, everything else that's going on. That's something that's so acute for me, like um, since becoming a father, like in my mind, like if I'm not out riding for like an hour or like you, you create these minimums of distance yeah, yeah, and yeah. time that you yeah. need to go out and to feel like you've got to, got to work out, got to ride. Yeah, yeah. And if you just can't find that window, you're like, oh, I just won't do it. Oh, no, no. Yeah, like yeah. You, you just, yeah it, 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 there's such an easy trap to just throw that throw on the towel and then you don't do anything. And I've, I've really had to work in the last couple of years. Like, no, so cute, but you know, I consider myself, you know, more of a romantic, a left brain type of person driven by emotion, driven by passion, those kinds of things. Yep. But there's people who, who are right-brained, right-brain dominant, you know, they might be accountants or, 
you know, mm-hmm. actuarial mm-hmm. students and just love numbers. Weird people. <laughs> just, oh. You know, I mean, and it's uh, no yeah. no side is better than the other. So they, I guess that's true. They're man. motivated by numbers. Here and there yeah. might be some people that, you know, that they get a lot of enjoyment in the fact that they... They that, love the data. That, you know, I mean, and it motivates them. And to a degree, it's even us, right? We were talking about before, like, yeah, we want to make the cardigan over 100 kilometres. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight away, we've like put a number that's significant yeah. to us. So... Is yeah. Let's. I guess we can get a bit too carried away. Well, that's right. But if <laughs> you and part of being an athlete, you athletes get to know themselves very well, their own their own mindset, their own bodies, their own capabilities very well, and that's one of the beauties and benefits of being an athlete. I think you get an insight to your body that the, your regular person doesn't uh, doesn't get quite as accurately. So I think. If you started to be an athlete, you'd probably recognise, hey, yeah, I do respond well to data, and I, the more data there is, the more motivated I am, and then subsequently then, yeah, these people, you need to work as much with the TSS and the CTLs and the yeah. and the, the, the watts and the everything, and it's then it's a benefit for them. But other people, like I was saying before, yeah, it can be more of a stress. So I think an event like the Cardigan does allow the average average person to, to have a bit of a glimpse at that world to a degree in that not about the data and what they're capable of with, with regards to data, but finding where the limits of their physical ability lie. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's what you sort of, as an athlete, professional athlete, you get to know that very well. But for people that, that might do an event like the cardio, it doesn't have to be the cardio, any yeah. sort of long endurance events, it challenges them physically. Like they, they people like, you know, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, they do go to the office like, man, I rode 100 kilometres on the weekend and, like, it was raining, it was cold. And and that for me is, is I think, the appeal to stuff like this is that you do find what you're capable of doing, you know, whether it's a, a two-hour ride or one-hour walk for somebody that yeah, might yeah. be in the limit and they yeah. can have to be absolutely stoked on that or, you know, some, you know, some people might be like a, a seven-day, you know, um, adventure race or something like that yeah um, and that's the appeal i think for a lot well that's a huge part of endurance sport and and i think that's the beauty of an event like the cardigan is it's if you were to be sitting at work you know say you're working an office job you're on your computer you know looking at bike races instead of doing your job then (laughs) you look at that and you're like wow you know you know what is it three and a half thousand meters of climbing or um riding midwinter through tassie wow that's a spectacle you know it's something inspiring it's something awesome but most people and i think even a lot of people who sign up for it when they first look at that think gee that's something i could never do because realistically most working people don't have time to do that kind of ride you know on, on a normal working week but 90% 90% of the people who try these things say, obviously, there's some preparation involved. You have to be you know, reasonably fit and have been able to ride a bike all right and and uh, and done a, a, a decent amount of training. But 90% of the people who try this, they always go further than what they init- they thought they, could, they, they couldn't do before. So it's like breaking those boundaries of, of self-belief, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it kind of opens windows up in other aspects of life. So, well, I thought my bar- my physical barrier was here, but I did the devil's cardigan. And then you have these little, you got more more stock for your bank of memories of what you're capable of. And then you might be doing some, say, 150k gravel race with even more climbing down the track and be like, well, hang on, 
you know, I, I got through the Devil's Cardigan before and it was minus three degrees and snowing at the top of that, but I got through it. I got through something really difficult. And then it's good it's good fodder for other challenges you face in life, both on and off the bike yeah, to do these things. Yeah. I think that's going to touch on in that in that confidence can flow into a lot of other areas of yeah. your life, not just on the bike or on any sort of endurance event, but in other areas of your life. You're like, you know what? I did that. I can face this today. Yeah, I can yeah. Do this, yeah. And confidence is massive for cycling, mountain biking, especially gravel racing, road cycling. I mean, so much opportunities is enabled by confidence, and confidence is something you got to build. Too much of it is obviously, you know, you can broach the the boundary between confidence and arrogance, and that's not good. I'd you know try to not walk that line and not go, yeah. go down that rabbit hole. That's but a line yeah, that, yeah. I guess you probably in inappropriate. You probably would have seen. Oh, it's it hard. Like yeah, that. yeah. And I'm not prepared. You know, I probably fell down that hole myself, and yeah. maybe I'm still in it. But you, it's confidence can be so enabling. I just see it with the people I coach. Mm. I see it in, in the way I can ride, but developing confidence and you get confidence from experience if you if your shield of what you believe you can do is so is quite low and limited then the confidence can't grow but if you start challenging those boundaries challenging the comfort zone and doing things that look kind of scary then the confidence grows and then it enables even more opportunities in life mm. with physically and mentally you know so a fair bit of your coaching is going to be not just the numbers and the time and the this and the that and the riding here and getting this much elevation it's also the mind as well of your athletes because it just that, that the old saying like whether you think you can or you can't yeah you're, you're yeah. right it's yeah. so true and I, oh, it's that's that's the thing about the, the cardigan like suffering is optional yeah like you can you can have the worst day out there if you want it to be yeah or you can just take a big deep breath and realize this is ridiculous and i am living i could be at home on a couch doing nothing but i could do that every single day yeah exactly but right now yeah. i'm out here just feeling it and it will end <laughs> yeah and and Eventually. yeah Eventually. it will it will yeah and that's what i love about the cardigan is regardless of what, if you're smashing the the finish line or just scraping through with 10, you know 10 minutes uh, before cutoff which cut off this year is sunset so make sure everyone okay. <laughs> yeah it's a big that, day yeah it could be a big day with the extra climbs but um like re regardless of where you cross the line, like you know, it's a big notch on your belt, almost. Like you're, you know, you, sh you should be very proud. And and I think it's just kind of um, whether you did it sh in a short time or a longer time. Sure, you might have done it a little bit longer than others, but you were out there for longer. Yeah, yeah. Like like that's impressive in its own way. And that's what I, 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 there's so many similarities between this and so like what I really f found find really awesome about like the Ironman events. Like you got the, the pros just punching out ridiculous times i still remember being overtaken by uh the, the guy who ended up winning the race in cans many moons ago and he was yeah. just just flew made me feel like i was standing still on the bike yeah and then and everything every, everyone up until that that you know, it was a six, 17 hour cutoff time like there's those that perform incredible athletic feats and then those that you just kept your body moving in motion for 16 hours like that's incredible. Yeah, like yeah. the mental, the the flair, the strength required to keep going when you could just pull up and just say, "No, nah, well, there's my hotel for the fifth time." Like I could just go up there. Yeah. Like yeah. there's so much more. I think that comes from those experiences. That that um yeah, I think we all need to experience at some point in our in our in our lives. Yeah, and the physical challenges of endurance events. Say the devil's cardigan. You 
going to start at, you know, where we start 8 a.m. And then... And as soon as there's enough light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and then sunset cut off. So yeah. that time of year, it was probably 5 p.m. or something. Yeah. So eight, nine hours I mean, is the longest you'll be out there. And if you think about... This is something I work with athletes on. is like, think about other things you've been through in life. Most people have been through plenty of challenges that aren't related to cycling or physical exercise at all. You know, might have broken a leg and taken six months to recover from it or might have done a university degree which was five years of pain you've been a chiropractor you know that was probably a decade of of struggle and study and all this this is just it's just you know maybe it work in eighth and earl maybe it's three and a half hours if you're if you're just punting along and wanting to get to the finish it's it's eight or uh, eight or nine hours but that's is not much of your life, really. I mean, you can you can go through pain for that long, and the human body is designed to deal with a lot of pain. That was, you know, the whole story of our evolution. What we've been through is it, our bodies are designed to do this. We're designed to be able to move all day and then sleep at night. So it's like you're always capable of more than perhaps society or yourself. You might tell yourself. Oh, so yeah, we we yeah. You, you, we are far more powerful than we're led to believe by yeah. by so many things. You know, they've just been just mess- all all these all the wrong messages just being hammered at you. So yeah, yeah, it's um, gosh, actually thinking back the last couple of years, like they on the whole, like everyone really knuckled that they got through that course in pretty good times. Like it's not like yeah, yeah like every- I guess last year there was a couple of people that were closer to the cutoff. Um, in the first, no, no, in the first year, I think um, Jesse, if you're listening, Jesse Wilberg, um, was the last man over the line the first year, and but he still beat cut off by about an hour, I think. Yeah. Um, this year, I think there was a few that were closer, but they still finished, you know, like, and the finishing rate's been actually really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. The first year, we didn't have anyone abandon or one. No, no, we did. Uh, we had had that old back injury flare and wasn't able to continue. So he pulled um, in this last year, I think we had about four people that weren't able to get through because of mechanicals. Yeah. Or, or, yeah it's mostly mechanicals uh, really. Yeah. And, and maybe a few people just really bad cramping and couldn't, yeah, right. couldn't continue. But majority of people finished. Yeah. Like it was just crazy. Yeah, yeah. The difficulty, the, the, the course, like it's a lot of climbing. It's cold. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Wet, you know? wet. Yeah. And the number of like, most people seem to finish still. It's pretty cool. Um, when you but, dangle that carrot of you know, cold beer at the Dorset Hotel or, you know, the sausage sizzle at, um, yeah. at the soccer over where yeah. we, the football over where we, we finish, you know, that you keep that little image in your mind, right? Yeah. Dry, getting dry, having a shower and sinking a pub meal at the Dorset Hotel. It's pretty good. It's get, it'll enable you to keep pushing through the misery. Yeah. It, it definitely helps when we've got some fantastic volunteers out there too, edging you on, on course. And yeah, they were uh, awesome, yeah. I think our last year's uh, sausage sizzle consumption up at the Mount Victoria aid station was 12. So <laughs> yeah, Uncle yeah. Rob is going to be keen for a few more sausages yeah, this year. I don't think they had that there the year the, No, we did that. I remember year. old mate was up yeah. there um, – with yeah. the ute, white ute at the top of um, Mount Victoria there yep. and had uh, had drinks for us. Yeah. And I remember it was so cold and windy and miserable. Yeah. Respect to you, man. You're working so harder than any of the bike riders. You are an affordable heater. Yeah. And sausage season like Oh. <laughs> doing sausages yeah. for people. There's uh, motivation uh, to get up there. No time. guarantees I'll have it this yeah. year. But, um, yeah. And he was, Uncle Rob was telling me a few, um, a few stories. Like he just had some people rolling in there with... Uh, some yeah, very. 
I think there was quite a few people ready to look on their face. Yeah, they were right. ready to jump in that but, uh, van. And Robert just like sort them out with a coke and a pat on the back and just say, don't be soft and keep yeah. you up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and off they went yeah. and they finished. Because that's brutal. That part, I think that's the hardest part of the course. You can get to the top yeah. of the mountain before it and then you think, oh, I'm at the top. Yeah. I can descend and down now, but mentally, it's talking, dead you know, flat talking, for another 30k. It's not dead flat. And, and it's only about, oh, sorry dead flat in meaning it's slightly uphill yeah, yeah. it's, it's false flat false it's like flat, this yeah. one to two degree sort of climbing thing yeah. and quite often you've got a bit of a headwind and it's not it's soft like, road it's yeah, yeah. And, and you don't roll well it's only like it's only 5k or something 7k I think it is along the top there and it feels like 70 like it's, yeah. it's really tough because mentally talking about the mental game you, you, you relax mentally and then you get hit with this false flat yeah, yeah. Yep. dead surface you're above 800 you... meters pretty much the entire time <laughs> cold, oh. part of the course almost so, that's actually yeah. some of the sessions i put into the training plan for this race is i've got these efforts where you're working up a hill you're working and you've got to find a feel a hill like that that's flat over the summit of the hill yep. or flat or you know the top. that's where the splits happen that's where the real race winners often make their move is not necessarily always on the climb but over the top of the climb you can make some big gaps i'll put some some workouts in that training plan yeah, right. just on that because it's perfect for that cause i remember coming up with uh o'shaughnessy tim o'shaughnessy and we and he, i was on his move he towed me that whole section that was yeah i was grateful to have his will along there. <laughs> what are some um what are some key things that you should do or incorporate into your training or preparation for a race like the cardigan if you if you're not going to get a training plan if you're not going you know if you if you do it or something a bit more than just like two short rides during the week long run on the weekend and she'll be right yeah, I think to get through something like this, and same goes for any endurance event, consistency is key. So if you've got the option of doing, oh, I got to, you know, say I've got a day off on Sunday and the kids are doing scouts or something else, so I can do a massive ride then, and you just do the five, six hour ride on Sunday, but then nothing during the week, you're better off trying to negotiate with, you know, the powers that be in your weekly schedule. And you're probably better off, or you are better off, to do like one hour per day rather than just one big ride on the weekends consistency is what it's yeah. what loses your weight like drops the weight which has been a fit on a course like this with a lot of climbing consistency is what builds that uh that endurance base and endurance load cardio load that you can you can carry through a through a long event so yeah consistency is key that's the and also recovery. You can go too far in the other direction and be like, all right, consistency is awesome. I do five hours every day. Then you dig yourself into a big hole and it's hard to get out of it. So having at least one day a week for most people, unless you're a professional bike rider, having one day a week with no bike and just doing your normal day at work or whatever and trying to sit down as much as you can and letting the body build and recover. And Because when you recover, that's when the actual growth as an athlete as a person happens doesn't it when you're training when you're smashing it up a hill you're kind of degrading everything in your body you know you're wearing everything down but the point is you you know you work hard in the sessions and then you recover properly and then you build back stronger than you were before that session so without the recovery you don't enable the growth so consistency recovery i'd say were the two main kind of things to remember if you're not gonna say do a training plan or have a coach or anything I mean, and it's not like you have to have that but if you if you want to you know, fly, fly solo then yeah is yeah. that something is that something you would like 
could you just have that consistency from now to race day or is there benefits of having more shorter periods of time of intense training like our like 10-week plans yeah, or yeah. are there any specific what are the benefits of, of that or can you, to avoid burn, like can you avoid burnout can you just avoid fatigue like overdoing it yeah yeah definitely and i think that having that day off a week or even two days off a week where you can properly recover especially if you're starting to train say now so when we're february and then the races in june then yeah you want to prioritize recovery but from a development perspective then yeah 10 weeks is a good amount of time if you've been active in the months preceding you wouldn't want to just not ride at all and clip in for the first time 10 weeks out of the race that's probably not a great i mean you might be all right depending on your background but it's uh probably not the best approach i would yeah there's, there's a whole building process you do your endurance then you do your strength then you do your speed and you do your core and stuff like this that goes into a rhythm of a of a training plan uh, and we've kind of condensed it a bit with this 10-week plan, but it's uh, it hits all the bases uh, pretty well. Awesome. 10 weeks, and 10 weeks is a good amount to get in good shape. Like, you, you can get in good shape in, in 10 weeks. Fantastic. Well, Mad Dog, I am mindful of time, and you've got a family to go see. Well, uh, I'm actually, my family, I've kind of marooned them in Sydney. I'm from Sydney originally. Oh, we, we're staying in. We flew in from America earlier this week and we're staying in Sydney with my dad uh, while we're in Australia. Mm. And I come down because I've run my business. I've got uh, my coaching business. I've got clients down here in Tasmania. So I catch up with a few of them, do some coaching session, catch up with some mates, um, check up on our, our house in Hobart. And, and then I'll go back to Sydney before we go back to America. So yeah, I've got a couple of days of, it's a work trip. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Danny did ask me to try and give you some trouble about uh, his uh his race to Warrnambool, but he had nothing but wonderful things to say about it. Oh, good. Coaching. Yeah. yeah he's he was awesome. Danny's awesome to work with. He smashed it. Yeah. And I'm not going to ask you for the story of, of where Mad Dog came from. I'm going to keep the mystery for everyone. And, yeah, uh, come up and have yeah. a chat to me. I'll That's right. I've been you the boring yeah. guy. Yeah, you can <laughs> be the judge whether it's true or not. Uh, awesome. Thanks for making the time, Justin. Really appreciate it, mate. Right, and, uh, everyone go check out My Matters Athlete Coaching on all the uh, socials, websites, and you can hook yourself up with a 10-week plan for $71, I believe. Yeah, I think we've yep. seen, yeah. If you want to add that extra support for the big day, come June 24th. In awesome. Thanks, Hard Scott. of winter. Yeah. I was, so like I was saying before, I can't sing highly enough for the praises of this race, the way it's run, and the course itself. Having spent plenty of time in the USA and doing all these you know, gravel events there that are um, quite famous, uh, they ain't got nothing on that. The course you guys are doing here in, in the Devil's Cardigan, yeah, it's uh, it's really a special course and it's definitely deserving of being the national championship this year. Oh, well, we, we can't take any credit for that. That's just Tassie. That's just yeah, that's yeah. how amazing Tassie is for gravel riding all yeah, all year round, really. And uh, I definitely think whoever takes all the green and gold jerseys and all the different uh, categories is going to be a well-deserved champion uh, for 2023. They won't be forgetting that race. No, they won't. No, no they won't. Uh, awesome. Thanks, Justin. Cheers, mate. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Mad Dog as much as we did. For more information about Justin, Mind Matters Athlete Coaching and the Devil's Cutting and Training Plan, head to his website, mindmatterscoach.com and go give him a follow on the socials under his handle, Mind Matters Athlete. 
If you're interested in supporting your training for the cardigan with his training plan, follow the link in the show notes or go to the Mind Matters Coach website. We cannot stress how much taking your training seriously for this race will help shift the odds in your favor of having a great time, let alone finishing it. So, adios summer, take all that dirty dust with you on the way out, and the big day in winter is coming. So keep training and get that mind and that body of yours strong. See you next time.